Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Oscar week is officially upon us as the 95th Annual Academy Awards air live Sunday night on ABC. We're celebrating with a throwback to my 2016 interview with Emma Stone ahead of her Best Actress win for La La Land. Little did we know her name would cause an Oscar envelope gaffe when Moonlight won Best Picture, but La La Land was accidentally read. Are you going to talk in like a wacky radio voice? I know it's all news DC radio, <laughs> but... you but... knew it was 20 nine. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. We're back. We're back. Well, you, can, you can start like that if really? you want. Really? I'm too embarrassed. No, it, come on. I'm on the spot. All right, all right. Emma Stone, star of La La Land. Thanks Hello. so much. Thank you. She just did a great uh, radio impression. Thank, yeah. thank you. Really. <laughs> Uh, old pro, old, old pro. pro. <laughs> um, your movie knocked me out. It was awesome. I told Damien the awesome. same thing. It was, it was fantastic. Um, you know, one of my favorite scenes is you know the coffee stain and you have the jacket on. That's actually yeah. why I'm wearing this right now because there's, there's coffee all down. Really? No, not really. But, yeah, <laughs> did it in honor of you. But uh, did, did you have a sort of similar thing? You know, before Easy A, before Superbad, back then when you were you know a no name, mm-hmm. um, did you ever have any embarrassing coffee on the shirt kind of a story for an audition? I, um, I. Well, I God, I don't know if it was as specific as, as the coffee down the shirt situation. I it's so funny because I've been trying to remember, you know, like my horrible audition stories because people are asking about sure. bad audition sure, stories sure, sure. for this movie and I and there's only a few that really stand out. What stands out for me more than anything is the periods of not getting auditions. Like the periods of really being ignored and like going on a bunch of auditions and, you know, getting rejected from all of those and then just like no one's calling you. No one wants just you no to come comments. in. Yeah. And that was so brutal. Yeah. That was probably the most brutal part, is that feeling of like not even getting the chance. Was there a moment where, you know, in the movie, that you, there's a point where you sort of give up and you go back to the hometown. Was yeah. there ever a moment where it was close to that for you? There were moments where I really felt like it's time to give up, but then never actually could bring myself to like get in the car and go home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I still, I mean, I still know the feeling. <laughs> what was your saving grace? Because in the movie, it's the Ryan Gosling car horn, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> annoying long car horn. What, what would that be for you? I really remember a moment when I was like, because I moved when I was 15, and my mom um, was out there with me for periods of it, and there was one time where I was just, like, crying on the floor of the apartment that we were renting, and I was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. And she was excited, basically. She was like, Ready to go home? Right. And I was like, no, I also can't do that. No, I can't go <laughs> home. No, I have to keep going. Um, but it was almost like anyone saying like, all right, well, then you should just go home. Right. It was sort of my car horn, I guess, because that was the thing I just right. could not do and really faced with it. Isn't that the crazy? It's almost like the people you mentioned in your family was like, yes. It's yeah. Like the people that love you the most of are, are, they're just, they, just, they don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to yeah. see you get your heart broken. Yeah. I mean, in any situation. So, but, um, 
But they they believed in me for sure. Like they never were like, don't do this. Obviously, I moved at 15, so they were incredibly supportive. But it was, yeah. Well, then, so if there's other people that are sort of, you know, in that space now, other actresses or filmmakers, you know, whatever, that, that you were then, how might these, just the, the signature song lyrics, you know, here's to the ones who dream. Yeah. Talk about how sort of, you know, that's going to be, your voice is going to be playing in their head after they leave the movie, that, those oh, lyrics. Geez. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the lyrics, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, how, how does that song and those, that exact, you know, those lyrics sort of speak to their situation and how it might give them hope? To all of us, yeah. to, to anyone, I think, that is, lives a creative life. It's a kind of, um, it's a sort of insane existence in so many ways. It's the, I can't imagine living any other way than getting to be a creative person, but it's also it's so crazy-making. Um, a lot of the time and you're I mean you're hanging these hopes on sometimes things outside of you or you're creating things and hoping people respond to them or it's just Putting yourself I, I don't know there. I don't know yeah. that it has any any bearing on uh, how outwardly quote-unquote successful you are um, in whatever you're choosing to do because I think all success is inward anyway and that's yeah. what that I think song is about and, and music-wise, I mean, that's sort of the theme of it, that song. But when you step up and do that audition, um, you know, a lot of people, maybe that maybe they didn't get up to Broadway and see you, and it was cabaret. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be a pleasant surprise for people to, to hear you open up and sing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be a surprise of some sort. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a Whatever adjective they choose. It'll be a pleasant Oh, man. But, um, but yeah, no, so... Um, one of my favorite scenes too is when you guys are in the in the planetarium um, and you go up into the stars. Very yeah. magical, rebel without a cause, all that stuff. Um, in in Birdman, mm -hmm. your character could you do it for me? It wasn't it was like a and you look up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do it right now. <laughs> and you see you, you see you floating in the stars. Um, what would that Birdman character think as she's watching them, Ryan and Emma, go into the stars in that moment in that movie? I don't know. I think she'd probably be pretty cynical about it. <laughs> <laughs> That movie was very cynical, a lot more than this, I guess. Well, she was, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure, definitely. Talk about working with, because um, there's long single takes in both of them, you know, in both that. Talk about working with uh, directing styles of Alejandro Inarritu and Damon Chazelle. The differences in their directing well, What's, style? like, the strength that, that each bring? Um, well, I think bo both of them have, like, incredibly clear visions. They're obviously both auteurs, so they're writing and directing their own stuff. Um, and... I mean, there were a lot of those kind of single take feelings in, in La La Land as well, like, you know, long single takes that were choreographed and we rehearsed for a long time. And, um, and both movies have to do with actors in some way. <laughs> so aside from all of those comparisons, um, they're totally different in terms of personality, uh, equally passionate, but just very different guys. And although I think they'd get along very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Because um, I know you guys have, you know, some history that goes back in terms of uh, movie-wise, Crazy Stupid Love yeah. and all that. Love that movie. Yeah. One of the better rom-coms of this uh, millennium. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, what's just, what's what's that chemistry like for you guys? Especially in that scene where, the, you know, you have that argument at, in the yeah. green light, you know, which is yeah. like a particular thing. But it, I was amazed at how real that felt. How it sort of ratchets up and you're both, like, kind of talking past each other and, you know, that's that's not really what out of your life. But, you know, how do you how do you uh, what's it like working with him and how do you mind a real argument like that it felt well, real there was a there's a very nice thing that Damien and and the other directors we've worked with have been open to which is we really love to improvise so it's I mean I think it helps when you from the very beginning from our first audition for crazy stupid love they had us improvise so we sort of you very quickly get to know who you're working with how generous they are how much they're willing to you know 
play around with you or go to these kind of extreme places or not. Yeah. And um, I think we both have a similar, a similar love for that and, and clicked in that way. So we were able to, to utilize some of that in this. Do you in real life geek out about like your character? Like that's the that's the window that they were in in Casablanca. Do you have a similar uh, passion for the old flicks? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I don't know. I'm not as um, probably knowledgeable about the <laughs> location throughout LA or anything. But there's yeah, there's some. I definitely get get uh, you know o overly emotional about certain nostalgic things. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think this movie's going to make a lot of us nostalgic, but it also yeah. feels entirely fresh. So, Good. Well done. Uh, Great. See you at the Oscars. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm stone on WTOP. Thanks. Thank you so much. I also spoke with La La Land director Damien Chazelle, who was featured on a previous podcast, but we're bringing it back from the archives for another listen with an Oscar winner for Best Director. I just saw this earlier, uh, I guess it was earlier this week. Completely knocked me out, man. Oh, I, thank you. It's just charming and everything in the beginning, but then by the end, you're ripping my heart out. Like, why do you have to do that? And when we're going down to Seb's again, turning off the highway, and I'm just, oh, I'm crying. <laughs> crying in my seat. But um, uh, let's start, um, you know, uh, are, when you're watching this, you know, obviously we all love Whiplash, but when we're watching this, you can sort of tell this is your two passions, right? It's jazz and yeah. old movies, man. Um, is that sort of, you know, the, the two characters are, are teaching each other, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, to love each of them. But for you as a director and a writer, are you sort of like, I want to teach the audience, this new generation of young kids coming up, to love jazz and old movies? Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's, it's you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh... It's not like I would want to call myself a, a wannabe teacher or something like you know nothing as presumptuous as that. It's just that um, uh, I guess it's just that idea of like you're passionate about something the way the characters are, and so you want to share that passion. And so um, certainly you know these were passions I wanted to share, but I also just want to make a case for the, like these forms still being relevant. Yeah. You know I, th I think especially with musicals, there's like this 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 perception of musicals as as just you know, fake and having nothing to do with reality, and just kind of uh, uh, and yeah, maybe outdated, you know. And I wanted to make a case for the genre as something that could still be modern and alive, and still say something about what it means to be young and and you know, chasing your dreams today. Well, you brought it back. I'm telling you, man. Thanks. Gonna, Thank <laughs> you. You're gonna shoot through that best musical uh, Golden Globe gate. <laughs> um, let's take back to the beginning of the movie. Um, on the highway. Um, you know the great, awesome. You know, it's a single take shot on the highway. Um, is that is that sort of? A, are you are you sitting in traffic one day and, and you're you know? It's like, I, imagine if these people got out and did this. Pretty, or, pretty or is it or is it like a little bit of like Fellini eight and a half there? You know, when it gets floats out of the car and the huff. It's you know it's, it's funny. So uh, obviously the Fellini scene uh, eight and a half is incredible. Uh, but I also remember. So I, I I live in L.A. now, but I grew up on the East Coast, and I had this perception in my mind of L.A. as as this uh, kind of horrible, unlivable place, and a lot of that, a lot of that was informed by movies that I was like growing up watching. One of which was the Michael Douglas movie Falling Down, Down, which begins with a kind of eight and a half style traffic jam um, that he finally walks out of. And man, like that was L.A. to me. It was just like it just uh, it looked kind of hellish. And uh, and and then so I moved to L.A. not even really thinking that I was going to stay very long. It's just because I wanted to make movies, and you know, okay, so you try L.A. and uh, and I fell in love with it and, um, and realized there was this whole other magical kind of romantic side to the city, um, but there still is a lot of traffic. So I wanted to try to kind of start the movie with, with 
stuff that we associate with, you know, LA at its worst, yeah. and try to build from that to, to yeah, to more a love letter to the city. Is that actually a single take, or are there little illusion masks? There's there's two style? two illusion masks okay. that uh, that I have to fess up <laughs> to. Um, we won't ask where they are. But <laughs> thank you. It's very nice of you. That's awesome. But yeah, um, I mean, it, it was like one of those things where, where, you know, we had two days to shoot it, and so we had to kind of like just basically bane through this number on the freeway. Uh, and it was an actual freeway overpass, and, uh, uh, but it was the whole time, it was kind of like, you know, shooting it and, and being stressed out that we weren't going to be able to get it, but being also exhilarated and wondering, you know, why can't more traffic jams uh, be like this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> why not? People at WTOP will agree in D.C., right? Right, everybody here? Um, awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, the fight scene where the, the, that builds and yeah. sitting in the, in the green light. Vertigo? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, that, so that was, uh, uh, that was like, I remember we were into shooting, we'd already kind of had, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Ryan Gosling's character's apartment, and, you know, we'd picked the apartment, and, uh, you know, and, and, and we were getting close to shooting it, and it had these kind of window drapes, and, and it just kind of occurred to me, like, literally a few days before shooting, and I talked to my DP, Lena Sangren, about, you know, uh, what this sort of green light kind of coming through would be, and yeah, it was like it was like the the, the certainly the light in Vertigo, and also felt a little Wizard of Oz to me, and even Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula you know, has this <laughs> incredible green mist, and it, it, that kind of green is a color that you saw a lot in old Technicolor movies, and you don't really see anymore. Um, so I thought it might be, I don't know, I, ju I just kind of loved it. So uh, I think everyone kind of looked at me like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, are, are we doing the Matrix or something? But, <laughs> but I just kind of <laughs> Tell them to go went watch moral movies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. Well, also the scene, like, uh, at the end, I think, like, when you go into some of the musical numbers, you do, like, a lot of, like, of those Gene Kelly musicals and Minnelli and Stanley Donnan with, like, the little logos appearing of, yeah. you know, the, the different marquees and things. Yeah. I love that superimposed stuff. Oh, thanks. Um, but then towards the end... Um, you know, like a lot of those movies like Singing in the Rain or American in Paris, they would have like those big, almost like a surreal, artful, um, big number before the yeah, end. Yeah. So did you consciously say, I want to do that, but, uh, you know, but also do it where, you know, it, it's it's seeing what their relationship would have been, you know, because you see that flash of what could have been and then it, they turn back off the highway. Do you remember where you were when you came up with that? Not in, I don't entirely remember because I'm not sure what came first, whether it was this, just this idea of the emotion I wanted at the end of the movie or this idea of doing a big... Yeah, like th those like dream ballets from those old movies that certainly on, on that level, I was like, why don't we do that anymore? Like movies that were kind of Hollywood studio mainstream movies for broad public in like the 50s and 60s used to sometimes every once in a while just kind of stop the main story and like go into just pure, pure music, really. And uh, 
and there was something so bracing and, and like and just kind of audacious about that idea. So so anyway, I'm not sure exactly you know how it first formulated in my mind, but it was very early on. Like the earliest drafts of the script ended exactly that way, um, and and yeah, it was an attempt to sort of do a version of that, but uh, but about this very specific emotion that we were trying to achieve at the end of the movie. Um, Ryan and Emma casting them. What was that process like? Were they in your mind when you were writing it the whole time? It was, uh, so when I was, uh, basically the process was like I just got insanely lucky. <laughs> it was like, it was just, you know, those things just so aligning. Um, well, it's nice of you to say. I, because I, uh, uh, back, I first started writing this in like 2010 um, into 2011. And yeah, they, they, they were, they were uh, floating in my heads when I was first writing. But it was that kind of thing where. Floating in the stars, uh, floating in your head. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, but it was the kind of thing where I was like, ah, oh, that's probably never going to happen, you know, uh, forget it, you know. And, uh, and then it took like five, six years to get the movie made. And during that process, I, I made Whiplash. And, and, and towards the end of that process, the script wound up on their laps and uh, independently, you know, and even at slightly, slightly different junctures. And so it just lined up kind of, you know, in a very sort of circuitous way that they, that they w were able to do it, wanted to do it, uh, wanted to do it together. Um, uh, and that, but that was just kind of an amazing thing for me because, I, I mean, obviously I loved that they had this built-in chemistry, but just individually as well. I just think they're two of the greatest actors uh, uh, around right now. Totally. You mentioned Whiplash. Watching Whiplash, I remember there was a lot of those uh, sort of like, almost like staccato images, like boom, 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 yeah. like a symbol or, or a drumstick. And I noticed that some in this too. Mm -hmm. um, I, th and I think it maybe he puts like a record player down or yeah. something. You have some of those like three-beat salvo kind of a things. Is that why? Why do you like that? I mean, that you're building your little you know auteur legacy here, <laughs> early stages of it. But you know, why is that like you know powerful for you? I, uh, it's hard to say. I just, I just like the feeling of it. I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, I, working with the same editor, Tom Cross, who cut Whiplash, and, and he and I just have a, we have a shorthand, and we also have a shared love for just a lot of the same, a lot of the same movies and a lot of the same moments in movies. And, and, really a jazz and, thing uh, too, you know? and yeah, I think, so I think it certainly started in Whiplash, and it was, it was that idea of like, how does the world feel like to a jazz musician, you know? And I was a jazz drummer myself, and so there was something about that kind of, uh, where it's all about rhythm, right. you know, uh, rushing and, or and uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, trying to lock right into the tempo, you know, yeah. and uh, 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 but it's like, but that it was all about like the timing and the 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 uh, 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 just the sort of uh, kineticism of that, you know. I love that you can create, literally create a sense of music just through editing, even if there's no music on screen. Yeah. That that was an idea I love, and it was an idea that was really important to this movie. That even when there was no music on screen, it needed to still feel musical at every right. moment. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Speaking of Whiplash, had, I know we get some nice little callbacks with J.K. Simmons there. I thought he was going to do the rushing or dragging <laughs> to Ryan Gosling a couple times when he's firing him, but why was it important to get 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 him in there? Because I know he's meant a lot to your career. Um, yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I just I just love the guy. Uh, so I, I you know would kill to work with him at any moment. Um, but uh, uh, but he was just he, he was like kind enough to I, I didn't even really think necessarily that he'd be interested uh, because you know it's, it's a relatively small role. But you know I, I I just called him up and asked him, hey, is this something at all you would want to kind of you know come down for a couple of days and do? Um, and he yeah he just jumped at the idea and he was you know it was just a. a but it was kind of fun. Ryan joked to me that you know it was Ryan. It was Ryan's first day on set. Was this was the scene where he plays piano and then gets okay. uh, fired by J.K. And so he joked like, "Oh, I see what you're up to. You know, you bring your actor from Whiplash and you have him fire me on yeah. day one. I get it. <laughs> Show who's boss." Yeah. <laughs> so. I saw. I've seen how this movie goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, I know we're nearing the end, but my fav one of my favorite gags throughout the whole thing is something really small. And I want to know if it was in the script or if you came up with, with Ryan. The the car horn. 
how he blares it when when he rolls up outside her and he, and she knows that it's him. Um, was that was that in the script, or was that the, like an actor? There there was a no that was in the script. Uh, 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 it was slightly different in the script. It was trying to figure out just kind of what the uh, uh, like like uh, it was always a car horn. It was what exactly he did with the car horn, whether he did a sort of pattern with it or and I think uh, and so I think it became just this sort of like grating, sort of a, a very stubborn, as stubborn as the character is, sound uh, uh, through me and Ryan talking. And, um, but, uh, but to me, it was also kind of a funny uh, like musical device in its own way. Like I like that idea of, you know, that, that, that the movie needed to be pregnant with music at every moment. And so even city sounds that would normally be annoying almost serve as, uh, as, as little bits of, of music or melody in the movie. So that, that was kind of uh, uh, that and just the fact that I find it kind of hilarious that, <laughs> that this guy is so. What I, I mean, honestly, what I love about it, and I know you're like a big old movie guy, so uh, you know, make, stop me if I'm reading too deep, but I think you've, re you've you know, taken new ownership of the car horn for LA for a while. It was Faye Dunaway, Chinatown, the head on the wheel, you know, at, at the end. Yes, the, the It's tragedy, right? The Chinatown, car LA horn. is a dirty, corrupt place. Now with your car horn, L.A. is a bright, vibrant place. Old movies are, are back again. You know, it's, it's oh, a place to be it. celebrated. So yeah, take that one with that, you. That, that, that's I, what I thought. I'm gonna take full credit for that <laughs> for that idea too. Did it on purpose. Yep, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anyway, but that's that's the mo that's the um, you know emotion that we get out of watching a movie. You've you've taken new ownership of L.A. again and made it a magical place. So thank you. So Thanks. Much. That was the hope. So thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.